Hi, CityCast listeners. On Fridays, we look back at the week's worth of news in Houston. So today, I'm doing that with producer Farrell Gibbs and CityCast contributor A.K. Al Momen. It is Friday, July 8th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. All right. Okay, let's have you get us started. What do you think the biggest story of the week is? I think it's this new poll from the University of Texas that polled around 1,200 registered voters. And uh, it essentially shows that while Texans are very are still very upset about the Roe v. Wade decision and the uh, Uvalde shooting, the GOP uh, are still pretty popular in the state of Texas, especially people like Abbott. They're still leading in polls uh, against uh, candidates like Beto O'Rourke. So mm-hmm. it seems like while a lot of Texans are shifting towards more common sense gun laws and towards like at least having not a complete ban on abortions yeah. in the state, it seems like the GOP still has a very strong hold over the state in general. Uh, yeah, I was really interested. That was one of the polls that showed that, okay, Beto is still behind by like six points, but the gap between him and Abbott is shrinking. You know, Abbott as governor has been just such a powerhouse as a candidate. He has tons of money, tons of name recognition. But in the last few months, Beto's gap has gone from 15 points to six. And he's now within striking range. This is where, remember, when, uh, you know, you're too young to remember. When George W. Bush was running against Ann Richards, this is where he was in the race at that point, And he managed to overcome that gap. So it's still, it's imaginable now, which is something I would not have thought three months ago. Yeah, it's just... But we are still, amazingly, a Republican state. Yeah. Republican controlled. I feel like it's still the same issue that happens every year, which is like liberal centers in the state, like Houston, uh Austin, even Dallas, like just these city centers still vote pretty blue. But then you go out to West Texas, North Texas, even some parts of Central Texas, and you're still hitting these gigantic blocks of just like red for a very long stretch of. And even though Uvalde is one of those areas that have typically voted Republican and have kind of turned on that. I think it's still those old Republican like flagpoles that they're standing on, which is like the economy, inflation, how bad Biden is on like your gas prices and the border. Like immigrant fear is always something that works in this state just because how close we are to the border. And they're running on those big ones while refusing to address uh, anything relating to two of the biggest issues that are happening. And I think Beto's doing yeah. a pretty And deep- also, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a midterm election, and almost always the president's party loses in midterms. So, you know, the Republicans are doing standard playbook, and it may work. Depressing is. <laughs> that may be. I don't think you should be talking about national issues in a state election, because that's not really what it's supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about state issues. Yeah. But here we are. Yeah. So, Farrell, what do you got? What do you think the big story is this week? The Brittany Griner situation. It's been making national news this week. Uh-huh. Brittany Griner, she's the WNBA star whose hometown is Houston. She was detained last February, you know about this, in a Russian airport. The charge was that she was carrying a vape pen in her luggage. But I don't, I think it was about Ukraine. I don't think that they really, I don't know if they caught her with a vape pen with some marijuana traces or if they just wanted to have a big, tall American celebrity in their clutches. Right. So. Anyway, even, even at the beginning, of this, <laughs> I'll, I'll no, be no, quiet. No, no. Now. I'm, that's that's exactly. Yeah. I mean, now I'm off script. But you know, when we started covering this back in February, remember we were even told how you should describe what her case was so that you weren't playing into propaganda because it was about Ukraine. But anyway, so this week right. it's starting to move. You know, Biden had a conversation with her wife. Brittany Griner wrote. Biden a letter, please get me out. And it has more than intensified. Just yesterday, she pleaded guilty. She said that it was her vape pen, but she did not mean to pack it in her luggage. The Russian deputy foreign minister said that everything surrounding the Griner case um, is, and alluding to the fact that American officials had basically called Griner a hostage of Putin, was actually hurting Griner's case, is what he said. But now I really will get off script. I was thinking about, you know, this this trial is uh-huh. actually, you know, it's coming to some sort of an end. I have no idea how, how what end it will be. You know, they've thrown around the... I have. What? Oh, come on. It's a Russian trial. So you think she'll get 10 years? <laughs> there, yeah. Duh. Okay, so here's my question. This And I haven't seen this anywhere. This is, I am no expert. This is just me just talking uh-huh. to you like we're in a bar. Okay. What good... What good does it do him? What good does it do Putin? Because there's so much going on in the world. You know, here we're burning up 104 degrees every day, whatever it is. You know, you've still got coronavirus around the globe. It's easy to kind of forget that this war is going on. If they throw the book at her, then you you potentially poke America in the eye. For what? You know, you're, you're provoking someone when you're trying to win a war. Over in Ukraine. You can trade hostages. I mean, that's how it works. He will get somebody out of an American prison who we may have in there for stuff like trading arms or spying. You know, it's it's a powerful move. And what does it cost him? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, You know, he has to feed her. Big deal. You know? Yeah. And they keep like a publicized figure like it. It's always it's always good to kind of keep teasing America over and over again, just because, I mean, in their eyes, Ukraine wanted to become a part of NATO and America didn't make a big enough move to defend its supposed ally. So it's just always this like for Putin, it's always for that propaganda of like, look at us, we'll fight for our territory, but look at them, they won't fight for theirs. And it's like this constant like, machismo like 
chest pumping thing with him. And this is just one extra thing. He's very petty too. So <laughs> like I was interested because I read one guy speculating that the one thing that might help Brittany Griner in Russia is that she has a lot of fans. You know, she was a star in the Ekaterinaburg basketball team where she was playing. But apparently those fans believe that, you know, yeah, she was vaping. She broke the law. This American needs to go to prison. Throw her away. That's what I'm saying. If he throws the book at her, you know, she has fans, right? But then what if it transcends and everyone's like, she's one of ours? How would the fans in Ekaterinaburg hear American news. They're going to hear Russian news, which is controlled by Putin. I'm not thinking about it from that side. You're right. Yeah. State-controlled yeah. media over there is is very tight wrap uh, to, to the point where, like, I know that the country at first was very trepidatious and kind of nominally split on the war. But now it's a pretty big split in favor of, like, what Putin is doing because they think they're winning. I mean, he still has those weird fireside chats that go viral on Twitter and YouTube where he's just talking to Russian people and they're just basically plants asking him questions that he's been prepared to answer. It's one of the weirdest things. He sits in these giant auditoriums. It's wild. So he's <laughs> the machine around him. I love him, Putin video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the machine around him is crazy. Yeah. All right. So... I think the big story of the week um, right here in Harris County uh, is that we have just given somebody one of the hardest jobs on the planet. Uh, we just appointed a new Harris County elections administrator. And, you know, man, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> the guy is Clifford Tatum. He used to be the executive director of elections for the District of Columbia, you know, Washington, D.C. But ay ay ay, Harris County is way harder than D.C., I think. I mean, just for starts, we're giant. You know, we are complicated as all heck. And even in a normal year, this is a bear of a place to manage just because it's so big. You know, I think that's what got Isabel Longoria, our last elections administrator, in such trouble you know, a March primary just turned into a cluster, um, horrible mess because it just wasn't run well. And then on top of that, you have to deal with the fact that voting officials all across the United States are under attack. Um, and you can expect this election, this mid-year election, I mean, I'm sorry, this midterm election to be pretty danged hard. And if, please let him survive, if he makes it through that, then he has got a presidential election coming up. And, you know, bless him. And to make it even harder as if you needed an extra level of difficulty, Texas Republicans are gunning for Harris County for like those reasons you were talking about, AK. We are Democrat leaning. And therefore, anything they can do to, you know, push down the Democrat vote or throw our elections into chaos or into question, the legislature is doing. And yeah, this makes yeah. me crazy. I have a question about this. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, do you think that like, 
if if it happens the same way you described the George W. Bush and Ann Richards race going, but if, if Beto surges from behind somehow magically, yeah. Do you think that well Abbott, magically, or if the issues just line up? I mean, it could happen. Yeah, exactly. Do you think that Abbott uses the Trump playbook and goes for like for throwing election administrators and stuff like that under the bus for like some sort of malfunction with the vote or fraud to a certain extent? I don't know. I haven't heard Abbott doing that himself, yeah. but plenty of other Republicans in the legislature are. Yeah, and they're willing and to throw that gauntlet pretty hard, right? Yeah, you know, just if you look at all the stuff they were doing in 2020 to make it harder yeah. to vote in Harris County, which is by a mile the biggest county in Texas, the most the biggest bunch of Democrats in Texas. You know, if you look at 2020, you can see how hard they're willing to play. And so, you know, God yeah. bless this brave man who has taken the job. I know. Th this I wish him luck. <laughs> to accept this job after after the last two years we've had with with, with Bowie. Yeah. yeah. But he's from D.C., so I think he knows what he's getting into. So we will see. All right, y'all. Next up, what do you think the most underplayed story of the week has been? Okay, what do you got? So I we had to actually like uh, research a little bit before because I I saw this tweet about John Oliver getting upset about some creepy dolls that are rolling up on Texas beaches. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, okay. Those yeah. the okay. Describe these dolls. These are the ones. They're by the Mission Aransas Reserve. And mm -hmm. apparently researchers keep finding, have been finding them for months across the 40 mile stretch of the beach. And they get really weird. Like they have seashells for eyes. They have like kelp growing out of their hair. They look like nightmares, right? Yeah. Like, like some of the pictures, if you look at them at like the Mission Aransas Reserve, like their Facebook page or their Instagram page, like some of these dolls uh, look like. Al covered in algae and stuff like that. It's a very, very creepy look. It's it's its own aesthetic. Oh, I have been watching this for a while. It is. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. They've been auctioning those dolls off, right? To raise money to clean up <laughs> the area. Yeah. And John Oliver is offering $10,000 to the, to the cleanup for them to just destroy those dolls. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that he doesn't have to see them. He doesn't so that have they to look at haunt them. his nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> I'm looking at them right now. Yeah. They are uh -huh. absolutely horrifying, and the sun is high in the sky. Yeah. That it's it's horrifying in the daylight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are something yeah. else. They're really. They're also a really good reminder of like the amount of work we have to put into our beaches uh, because the, of the amount of plastic trash that. Yeah is like washing up, is endangering animals and wildlife, is horrifying. Yeah. It's as scary as these dolls. <laughs> <laughs> that is it, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Farrell, what about you? I thought this was cool. There will probably be a loud boom tomorrow. Uh, yeah, a somewhere boom. near the Johnson Space Center where there's going to be a test conducted they're going to test and this is the quote uh -huh. to determine the maximum now i'm about to weave a, a few things together here for you so they're going to test them okay the, determine the maximum pressure at which an inflatable lunar habitat module prototype 
will burst or fail. So then you couple that. Oh, wait, they're going to bust a giant bubble that they would be keeping astronauts in? Well, material (laughs) four, material four, I think. I mean, this this jargon is is so heavy. Oh, okay. But then here's here's another quote Uh from NASA. Since the future habitat being tested eventually may find its way to the moon's surface and need to function in that extreme environment, it is critical to understand how much internal pressure it can stand. So then you, you, here's the trifecta. So yeah, so how much, how, how much air can you put in it before it busts? Uh, right. <laughs> and then NASA, uh, eventually NASA uh-huh. plans to put a, what, where all this seems to be pointing is NASA plans to put a space station called Gateway into the orbital path around the moon so that, you know, astronauts can go, they're going to make a space station around the moon. There's all of that, but is Houston still Space City? Is it in Cape Canaveral? Is it? Oh, what is the name of this place? Is it Elon Musk's city of uh, Boca Chica, where they are building the big starship? Um, it seems like Houston is very much in the middle of the next jaunt, which is to the moon, and then I think maybe from there to Mars. Yeah, I feel like we're still the hub yeah. because we Na- NASA did all of that like third-party funding for low-orbit Earth and all of that. Literally, so they could like explore further out, and the the Johnson Center is still at the center of like our exploration, habitation, and possible terraforming of the moon, and then eventually to Mars. I think I think Houston is still relatively one of the most important places for it, and I mean, Florida is like a launching pad. Like it's it, it doesn't have the research that. The Houston Center does, right? True. I should have said Huntsville, I they guess. They do what we tell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. I I think Houston is still... And we're not going to miss, like, going to Mars and, like, reporting back to Houston. It's one of the most iconic lines in, like, any... You think they're just not going to change it because it sounds so cool? <laughs> I, 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 it's just... I grew up with 20 years worth of movies uh-huh. of, like... Houston, we have left. The astronauts are talking to Houston. Houston, Right. It just just doesn't make sense anymore not to have, like. You can't say Boca Chica. Yeah. We have have a problem. I can't wait for the Matt Damon movie to be like, hey, Boca Chica, we have a problem. Like, that would be really weird. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that is interesting to think about. How loud is that boom going to be? Yeah. Will you be able to hear it it far? Well, clearly. They just said neighborhoods surrounding they're going to start the test at eight in the morning the boom will happen uh-huh. uh, between so it'll start ginning up at, at eight and then the boom's going to happen between somewhere between 11 and 12 so that's when your bubble bursts oh whenever it right. pops <laughs> okay oh i'm, I'm excited, excited about this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm really excited i'm gonna be in houston during it so like in downtown houston so i hope i can cool you'll have to let us know if you hear it yeah okay i got you that'll be pretty far but maybe all right, so mine, my overlooked story is, well, less fun. It's it's more chronic. It is Ken Paxton, the state attorney general, um, who is now fighting to get a state bar case thrown out against him. Um, the state bar could be taking his license over that suit that he filed related to the 2020 presidential election that, you know, they say was frivolous. Um, 
He's fighting that. He is also, I think, still tangled up in that securities fraud mess from seven years ago. There's the whole like bribery uh, accusations from his own staff. Uh, eight of his staff members said that he was doing stuff he shouldn't be, and then he fired four of them. And there's a whistleblower uh, a problem with that one. You know, it's just crazy how much dirt is flying around the state's top lawyer. And yeah. the amazing thing is he won the Republican primary. And so he is, in, you know, AJ, back to your first idea that Republicans are still crazy powerful yeah. in Texas. He's up for election, and I think he's likely to be returned to office, even though he could lose his law license. That is that something that could work? Could you not have your license but still be the state AG? Looks like it. That is, uh, I mean that. I mean Texas has been for the last like year just a state of firsts at a new level <laughs> of of just mind boggling. Right. So I wouldn't put it past the GOP to go for this. Uh, really. Uh, not to sound too biased, but I mean, this is this is kind of blowing my mind. He has he has four like four people have come up, and that is wild. I I'm speechless right now that he could actually potentially win just because the GOP like leads so heavily. I cannot believe this. Yeah, I mean it's. I am astounded, and I keep being astounded, but there he is. All right, let's move on to some happiness. AK, what in Houston has made you happy this week? So I feel like every time I come back here, I have to talk about food for some reason. Because <laughs> it gives you joy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, recently I, I, so a lot of people don't know this, but Hillcroft is very much like the center of a lot of the Middle Eastern community, and especially the Arab one in, in Houston, which is a very thriving community. And in Hillcroft, there's there's a lot of restaurants uh, that, that this are... This is that stretch of Hillcroft between like 59 and... Yep, exactly. What? Like... 59 and... And, uh, and, and Basinet. Maybe Richmond? Yeah. Basinet, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so it has all of these varieties of like Arab stores, candy stores, like cakes and stuff like that. Uh, but recently mm -hmm. we went to this Persian restaurant, which I absolutely love. I think, I think they make some uh -huh. of the best like rice. And rice is really important in like Middle Eastern food. They make some of the best rice, like I think in the entire state. Uh, and and it, they're called Bijan. Yeah, describe how is it great? The restaurant is Bijan. Yeah, the yeah. restaurant is called Bijan. But okay, so uh -huh. we use a specific rice called basmati rice. You can literally buy it, but it's how you clean it and how long you cook it for that matters. But because it is Persian, yeah. they have this habit of adding a little bit of saffron rice mm -hmm. on top of the regular rice, and then a stick of butter 
that they melt on top of everything. So it makes the rice very like buttery, very smooth. And basmati rice is like very water heavy. It retains a lot of water. So it's it just feels very good to eat. Like uh. I, I don't it fills you up all the way without being too heavy. <laughs> like sticky rice. Like Japanese. Is this sticker. the kind Yeah. Is this the kind that they cook so that the butter kind of crisps and turns brown? The rice is browning? A little bit. Sometimes they can do that. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes they can do that with it. And yeah. then it comes with two sides of like these amazing kebabs that they make in-house. Uh, and they have a variety of those kebabs. So there's like what we like to call kufta kebabs, which are the ones that are on the sea, kubde kebab. Uh, there's there's like fillet kebabs. Those are kebabs. like the ground meat? Yeah, that you wrap around. Okay. And then on there's the, the fillet on the, ones, which yeah. you stick, stick in there. Yeah. It's chicken kebabs. Flavored. All type uh -huh. of variety. Their yogurt is great. It comes with a, a little bit of cucumber in it, which we love cucumber mm -hmm. yogurt in the Middle East. It's really healthy yeah. for you. Uh, like, I love it. The entire experience, they have an outside patio with those Moroccan like chairs that you can sit on. Very wonderful atmosphere, especially for like, for like where it's at, where it's location. I mean, if you want a better vibe, maybe La Pasha is like the place you go, but I can talk what, about La Pasha. More upscale? Yeah. La Pasha is a little more upscale, okay. a little fancier, but I think yeah. that Bijan is a great food because La Pasha can miss on the food a little bit, but Bijan, great food. <laughs> the vibe is better than you would expect it to be. And yeah. I, ju I just, every time I go there with my family, I love it. I lo it's one of our favorite restaurants in the city. So you might even oh, run into me great. if you go to it. Like, <laughs> it's such a regular thing. That sounds awesome. Oh, this sounds good. Farrell, what about you? What's making you happy? My wife and I did something this week that we've never done before. We are getting a hotel room like two blocks down from us on Saturday just to go from just your house? From, from our house. We're going to have the neighbors watch our dog or let our dog out <laughs> just to have a pool for a day. And it actually wasn't cheap. We're having like a staycation two blocks away. And they go out, they've got a nice pool. And the reason why I, I realized, you know, that I'm getting older is because typically used to, when I was younger, we would just sneak into a pool. I just, I'm just too old <laughs> to even have the conversation of, excuse me, sir, uh, whose guest or what room are you in and have to have that conversation with somebody. So we just, we just got a hotel room for, for a day. <laughs> okay. Nice. I have to confess that as I get older, I am pretty sure that I could get away with so much more than I could as a teenager. <laughs> right. it's true. You know, I'm a white-haired white lady. If I'm in a pool, nobody's going to ask questions. <laughs> that is That is kind of accurate. And I know yeah, that's yeah. true. You know, I just, I mean, for me too, I know that's true. I just <laughs> don't want to be in that position yeah. where I have to squirm right. and lie to somebody uh, or either tell the truth and leave the, with the walk of shame, you know? I'm just like, let's just rent yeah. a dang room. So. <laughs> I love No, it. I think that's the honorable thing to do. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. Encouraging people to break yeah. into pools. <laughs> However, I think you oh, could get away I'm with it. <laughs> okay, what about you? What's getting you joy yeah. in, in this murderously hot week? I met a possum yesterday. I mean, I really met I saw a that. possum. I went, yeah. In the I, newsletter. I met, yeah. I went to the Houston Audubon Raptor Center where they have this rescue possum her name is violet pickles oh. she's cross-eyed and i had never 
seeing a possum's belly. I mean, I knew intellectually they're marsupials. They have a pouch that they keep their babies in. But I'd never actually seen a possum's pouch. And Violet Pickles, she's a sweetheart. You can pet her. You know, I touched her leathery tail and I stroked her wiry fur. But the really amazing thing was when they showed me her belly. And I found out that possums have a vertical pouch. It's not horizontal like a kangaroo's that looks kind of like, you know, a pocket that you'd stick the baby kangaroo in. Oh. It's vertical because possums like have opens like, up. Oh, you know, wow. a dozen babies in there at a time. Um, and, you know, one of the volunteers like put her finger in the pouch, which was just one of the strangest <laughs> animal experiences I, I have would, ever had. I wish people would see my face during all of this. <laughs> my jaw keeps dropping. I like a vertical. I, that is. And yeah, think about right. that on the bottom. So it's walking on, on the bottom, right, and so yeah. you got, I right. mean. They have muscles that somehow hold the babies in. I think the babies are doing something, you know, these little jelly bean sized pink things are somehow trying to hang in there. But it's amazing. That is amazing. You know? that is amazing. Yeah. These weird backyard animals are doing all kinds of stuff that you don't realize. I got to tell you, Lisa, you told me yesterday they have like a million teeth. How many teeth do they have? 50. Possibly 50? Have 50, 50 teeth. Sharp little 50 teeth. I don't know what they're doing with all those, except like showing them when you like yeah, scare them. Yeah, maybe it's a fear tactic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that they're your friends down there. It's very tame and everything. But like, if I'm reaching my hand out to a possum, uh, I'm yeah. worried about. Don't do that, Farrell. Why would what? you do Touch that? A possum? If it's a I wild agree. possum, don't, don't pet a wild possum. Go. I never Go even... to the Raptor Center, make an appointment. You can meet Violet Pickles. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'd want to meet Violet Pickles because this is the first time probably in 10 years I've been in this state that I've thought about a possum <laughs> this much. And now I'm very intrigued. <laughs> really intrigued. Yeah. So anyway. All right. Thanks, y'all. This has been, has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. That is it for today here on CityCast Houston. Our lead producer is Dina Kesba. Our producer is Farrell Gibbs. Brooke Lewis co-writes the newsletter with me, Lisa Gray. We have had help this week from roving producer Lizzie Goldsmith. Music is by our producer Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos. If you enjoy the show, why not tell a friend? Rate the show. Leave us a review. Subscribe to our newsletter. We'll be back Monday with more news from around the city. See you then. I gotta have is a lot of adrenaline because I'm about to be late for something. All right. <laughs>